for invasion. This is Indie Invasion. Some claimed that Venice was touched by God. Others, that La Serenissima had the devil for a protector. A combination of geographic and mystical forces combined to leave Venice almost undamaged from the upheavals that tore apart its neighbors. Aside from a few earthquakes and fires, nothing the city had not overcome in the past, the Queen of the Adriatic held firm, Located on the northern extent of the rent in the sky, Venice was suddenly propelled from failing city-state to jewel in the Mediterranean. Never ones to pass up good fortune, Venetians, from fisherwives to the Doge, saw that they had been granted an exceptional opportunity, and for a short time, all thought within Venice was bent towards making the most of the occasion. Most importantly, the creeping slovenliness that had assailed its fleet masters in past years turned to advantage. Moored at crumbling docks of the almost 200 merchant ships that sailed beneath the Venetian flag, more than half had survived the catastrophe. Of these was most of the city's military fleet, including some 20 galleys, more than a match for anything else that could currently dare the swollen Mediterranean Sea. The Doge, Ludovico Manin, did not hesitate, decreeing that all effort would be put into bringing Venice's docks back into operation as soon as possible. Now the southernmost of Italy's harbors, and in truth the only viable port in the whole North Mediterranean, Venice would be able to corner the re-emerging markets if its people acted swiftly. As news of inflating prices and ever greater deprivation flowed from the north of the continent, the efforts of the Venetians increased. Coupled with its enviable geography, Venice was also uniquely placed to benefit, perhaps, from the more otherworldly effects that came with the rent in the sky. The first of the gifted were sighted over the canals of the city, and other strange phenomena were increasingly reported. Such scholars and religious folk as could make the journey started to appear in the city, both incredulous and excited hoping to glean some fragment of knowledge from the city's remarkable survival. This recovery was shaken as efforts intensified. Still reliant on its scant farmlands in the terra firma, 
Venice's food supplies had been drastically reduced by the tribulations of the Italian mainland. In October of 1793, the farmers' wagons became increasingly intermittent, and those growers that reached the city brought conflicting rumors of strange accidents and shadowy attacks on their neighbors. As the Doge sought to deal with the impending food shortages, disputes between the nobles and the emerging bourgeoisie of tradespeople and merchants threatened the works at the docks. The riots that had beset other cities sprang up in Venice. Ill feeling between the hungry and poor and the continued extravagances of the old nobility were inflamed by a harsh winter. The Council of Ten was besieged by demands for representation by the lower classes. Revolutionary firebrands demanded the masses storm the city residences of the uncaring aristocracy. As unrest reached its peak, two ships arrived in the newly opened docks and unloaded holds full of supplies. Grain and meat quickly flowed from the dockside into the markets. Far from grossly inflating their prices, the few chosen merchants, foreigners it seemed as few could remember them from before the disaster, all but gave away their goods. As if a flame was extinguished, the nascent revolution guttered and died. The city had become so desperate for food that no questions were raised as to the nature of these benefactors, where the food had come from, or how they had charted seas so unquiet that seasoned hands had dared not put from shore. With equal lack of ceremony, the ships slipped their berths and sailed away, their captains and crews never having set foot on Venetian land. In the days to come, the Church of Dagon took credit for the benevolent act. Situated around the sunken district of San Sanciano, the group had taken up the cause of feeding and clothing the poor, sick, and homeless. Brought back from the precipice of civil dispute and political ruin, Venice and its people pushed through the hard winter. The brief encounter with starvation and rebellion quelled the most restless spirits on both sides of the divide between the merchants and nobles, and the Doge enjoyed a rare but brief period of authority. As the year passed into 1794, the celebrations were the greatest scene in a generation, the mood of the city buoyed up by thoughts of future prosperity. They were right to celebrate for the coming spring brought trade goods by the shipload and a dock full of desperate shipmasters who could not wait to be paid for their wares. Within half a year, Venice had been transformed from a backwater harbor to the most important city on the Mediterranean, perhaps in all of Europe. Economic strength brought sudden political power with taxes flowing into the city coffers and the treasuries of its nobility, there was suddenly an influx of merchants and aristocrats from across Europe and further afield, hoping to share in the city's excess, each bringing their own wealth 
and small armies of retainers. The ear of the doge was suddenly a valued commodity in its own right, with kings and emperors eager to make alliance. Having lived for generations among the lagoons, Venetian architects and engineers, masons and carpenters were suddenly in demand all across Europe. There was barely a palace, stately home, or shorefront warehouse that did not benefit from improvements by these traveling teams of craftsmen, as long as their owners had the money to pay. Wealthier citizens of other coastal settlements were willing to spend a fortune rebuilding homes lost to the rising tides, built on far more secure foundations than their ancestral houses. Local tradesmen labored to fulfill orders for their goods to sell either in the city or shipped to more distant markets. Craftsfolk from other countries converged on Venice, hoping to sell their services and their goods. They were not disappointed. Made welcome due to an overwhelming demand for their skills and the continuing drain on Venetian talent. With these strangers came less desirable elements. Brigands and cut purses, spies of foreign governments, and demagogues of various unsavory creeds all entered the city. All of this activity created a rapid spiral of benefit for those involved. The local economy was booming, putting money in the pockets of not only the nobles that owned the land, but even the lowest laborer that toiled upon it. The wealth attracted more merchants, who needed food and board, creating demand for the farms and fishermen, who in turn spent their new incomes at the markets and buying better homes. With the wealthiest of Europe now drawn to the city, dozens of hotels and casinos opened, from grand apartments that catered to princes and duchesses to worker cottages for housing the influx of lowlier populace. Canals were dredged afresh, new cobbled roads laid while the docks and wharfs continued to grow every week. Thanks, guys, for listening to today's tales. You can find our Indie Invasion podcast on all podcast platforms, including Podbean, Google, and iTunes. And please visit us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. And if you can, support us on Patreon slash Indie Invasion. And feel free to email us with any questions or comments at IndieInvasion at gmail.com. And remember, guys, don't forget to prepare yourself for the invasion.